This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. You're listening to Women Road Warriors on TNCRadio.live with Kathy Takaro and Shelley Johnson. I'm Shelley and I'm Kathy. Our show is about empowering women to achieve big things. And we love to feature guests who've done just that to give our listeners great insight and inspiration. We have an interesting tale to tell today. Self-help books are a huge market. Just walk into a bookstore and look online. There are okay books and then there are great ones. We believe we found a great one with an author who's been there and done that and gotten the T-shirt. Corby Mitlide has always seen herself as a visionary and made her own path. Coming from a family where everyone was in the medical field, she left an Ivy League university in her second year of school and struck out to find out where joy and purpose lived, regardless of what she should do. Her path was not easy. Life became a roller coaster with no breaks, with a succession of jobs, two marriages, a breast cancer diagnosis, poverty, and abuse. She took on what life handed her and became the victor. She's been an actress, TV producer, radio personality, executive recruiter, and published author. Her latest book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, is nothing short of compelling. It's part of the Self-Development Project trilogy, which also includes the big reboot and be your own masterpiece. The introduction of the book is even compelling. How to be a Martian without leaving the earth. What a metaphor. I love it. Welcome, Corby. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm delighted. I just hope I can live up to that great introduction. Oh, you're very welcome. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Um, You've got some great topics here. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what motivated all this? All right. Um, I'm like y'all out there. I mean, I, I keep telling people you can do what I do. I'm not special. But we all from teenagehood go for those self-help books. And we go into Barnes and Noble and there's this great looking cover and a sexy title. And we read a few pages and we think maybe this is good. But then we get it home and the author tells us we have to do these things. It's like, what do you mean I can't eat foods with leptin and I have to do yoga at four in the morning? I'm a mom with two preschoolers in Milwaukee and I have a job to go to. That's not happening. So what I did is I wrote a book that the reader writes with me. I tell you some dumb things I did, give you a couple of client ideas and make a couple of suggestions. But at the end of each chapter, there is what I call the adventure pages, where there are questions that you answer that can only be answered through your own life experience. So by the end of the book, you realize you've got your own answers. You can change what you choose to And change and adventure is joyous, not I gotta. I don't know another book out there that does that. So what essentially is the whole trilogy about and what does it mean to how to be a Martian without leaving the earth? (laughs) All right, let's let's do Martian first. Okay. Um, We all judge. We all think we've got certain answers. If I was sitting in front of you and you had water coming out of your eyes, I might immediately assume, oh, she's crying, something's wrong. But if you are a Martian who had never been to earth, did not know the culture, 
but you were sent down to do some investigating. You'd be so excited and you know, you'd walk up and go, why is there water coming from your eyes? And the Martian might be a better idea because maybe you have allergies or maybe you're wearing contact lenses and they're bothering you or maybe there's an emotional basis. When we can be completely non-judgmental, always asking questions about what we see instead of assuming we know even part of the answer, you would be amazed at what we come up with. Um, I wanna give a quick example. There was a man who was married, he had a kid, he was in a terrible car accident and his face kind of looked like spin art. So he was terribly embarrassed and figured everybody hated him. One night he was putting his daughter to bed and she grabs his face and she smushes it next to his, uh, her face next to his and says, this would be a great picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Now, the old him would have thought even my daughter thinks I'm hideous. The new him, knowing how to behave like a Martian, just turned it right back. Why would it be a better face if mommy's face were in the picture? And the child said, because mommy can't hold the camera still and you take good pictures. The kid still saw him just as her father and was complimenting his photography, not that he was ugly. One question, that's all it took. Clean out your life closet is, everybody knows what it is to purge and spring cleaning and all of that. The life closet, those are all the ideas we've had that don't work for us anymore. The bad habits, the things that we were told we had to do that aren't who we are. When you clean out your life closet, the big reboot is, so what am I doing with my life now? And you reload that life closet with things that will benefit you. Be your own masterpiece. Once you have this whole fresh new life closet, how are you going to present to the world? So that's the trilogy. Big reboot is being totally rewritten because what I started to write in 2019 does not always work in this, you know, section of a year of murder hornet bingo and hold my beer oh, we're all rebooting I, I on love that description. <laughs> but isn't it isn't it what it is this, who expected this oh uh, no one it's a bad sci-fi movie that's what i keep saying it's like when mm-hmm. is it gonna end <laughs> you couldn't sell this to hollywood you just couldn't Mm-mm, not at all so, so basically you- oh sorry i was gonna say basically your trilogy is kind of like, um, like I'll give you an example for, for like for my own personal w- way of I've had a very um, traumatic past, and so I when I when I decided to change my life, I had to reassess my life. I had to look at myself, unlearn everything I had been taught. I had to relearn, which is your reboot, right? Relearn per- certain things um, about who Kathy really was, and then I had to accept this new awesome person that I've always been. I just didn't recognize, which would be your third book. Um, be your own masterpiece. That's one yeah, piece, right? Because I, I had to unlearn, relearn, and then accept. So kind of goes, kind of goes with your trilogy, similar yes. c- concept, right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Right. So what motivated you Corby to do all of this? I mean, was this something that you had inside of you from the very beginning, or is it just something that kind of evolved? Well, I've always been a writer, always been a writer. Um, as, as I mentioned pre-show, words are my drug of choice. I am an intuitive consultant. Some of you might say a psychic medium and a past life specialist. And I have an awful lot of clients 
But it's not a matter of Madam Hoo-ha. It's I've got these challenges in life. How do I handle them? What's my best way to go? So I asked my clients, what are the things you keep bumping up against? And the four things that were overwhelmingly mentioned were clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and stress. And so I took those as the four parts of this book, and we examine each one of them with what they are, how they affect you in your life, and maybe some strategies that would work if you want to look at them. And again, the adventure pages help you take what I tell you and work it into your life. You take what works, you leave what doesn't. So for our listeners, do you have like a, maybe some cliff notes, uh, some highlights that you can give everybody? Because uh, obviously there's a lot to learn here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I talk about um, is stress. Everybody's got it. Oh, but man. believe it or not, there are good stresses and bad stresses. The good stresses are things like just before you go out to make a speech, um, when you're just finishing up getting ready for uh, a big open house. Those are lovely things. Bad stress is when you say yes, when you should have said no. It's when you double think things, you're always saying, well, I did this, would this have been better? What about this? When you never feel you're good enough, things like that. So there are instant stress busters that I give. Number one, get up and move. Jump up and down, open all your kitchen cabinets, totally change your focus from what's bothering you. The next thing is breathe. Truly, um, Dr. Andrew Weil, we've all heard about him. He's got a four, seven, eight breath, which is where you take it in for four, hold it for seven, breathe it out in eight. You do that a few times, your heart starts to calm down. Grab your fur person. I have a 26 pound Maine Coon cat. He is the best stress wow. buster in the whole wide world. Gotta love our kitties. Yes. Find music that works for you and set your boundaries. You know, I teach a lot of my clients a five word mantra. It's called no is a fabulous idea. Because when you're saying yes to somebody else, you're saying no to yourself. If you really didn't want to say that, yes, you will be amazed at what happens when a good no enters your life. And all of a sudden, the stress thing just walks out the door. That is so true. Like I never learned about boundaries until I was 40. And this is the God honest truth. I actually, mm -hmm. I went into treatment. I had to ask the counselor what to explain to me what the word boundaries meant. I didn't know what it meant. And then she taught me the word, how to like the word, no, she says, this is the best word you're ever going to learn. And boy, was she right. The, the, having the ability to say no, when you don't want to do something and, and you don't feel obligated to, to, to follow through with what somebody else wants, it's liberating. And not, and not having to explain why behind you're saying no. It, it's, That's been, it's been life alter, altering for me, honestly. It really has. But I'm going to give you something on top of that. You know that when you say no, there are some people that will try to guilt you into doing what well, you they do. do all the time. Yeah. Yep. Here's your mantra. Just let them spew. And when they're done, you smile and say, thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish. And you go do what the heck you need. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, no, it's been it's been life changing for me to say, yeah, no, I'm good. Not today. <laughs> and not explain 10,000 reasons why. I love no. it. 
No, ex <laughs> explanations is just saying, I'm not sure you accept it. So maybe if I do this, no, no is yeah. no. Did your mother ever explain why you couldn't have a cookie? No, she just said no. <laughs> right. yeah, I know. <laughs> although, although I remember asking and my mother would just say, because I'm your mother. You know, it's like, yeah, well, that's bigger the universal. Than thank you for sharing, you know, right, you right. think that, but I'm your mom. Yeah, no, I get uh -huh. that. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. TNCRadio.live wants to make sure you purchase a copy of John Schneider's new album, Truck On, that features great songs like Born at a Truck Stop, Truck On, Stand On It, and Cowboys Don't Get Old. John Schneider rocks the life of a trucker in this album. The lyrics are clever, the music is great, and his vocals are his usual best. What's even better is a portion of the proceeds from the Truck On album will benefit St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund, which helps truckers and their families in their time of need. Get the Truck On album at johnschneiderstudios.com or on Amazon. We'll feature a link on tncradio.live. Truckers and St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund will thank you. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. So do you think it's harder for women to say no than men? Of course it's harder for women because we yeah. are always taught the subordinate thing. The other thing, most women, I mean, I'm 66. Most women in their 40s and 50s, especially when the kids start leaving, they don't know what they want. I say, what do you want out of life? And they just look at me blankly. And this is why. When we're kids, all right, you're two. There's this big silver shiny thing on top of the white thing. And you reach for it. Your mom slaps your hand and says, no, bad, hot. Well, okay. You're four. There's a plate of cookies. They are a smart four-year-old. You know that there's more cookie in the big one than the little one. So you reach for the big one and your mother slaps your hand and says, no, bad. And then she says, you're selfish. You, so you don't get that cookie, but your little brother gets it because she says, besides, girls who eat cookies get fat. Nobody likes fat girls. Do you really want to eat the cookie? To the point where by the time we're like six or seven, we have been conditioned to know if we want something, we're wrong, we're bad, we're selfish, and then we have to watch somebody else get it. So it's easier not to want. That's the biggest thing that you can do for yourself when you are <clears throat> an mature woman of a certain age. Go for what you want. You are allowed, you have as much right as any other human being on the planet to have a want and do what you can to get it. So what do you recommend for women like women drivers and so forth. They're in a, in a very male dominated area of, mm -hmm. and industry. How do they go for what they want? And when they run into obstacles, how do they persevere? It is really tough. I mean, to be perfectly honest, my brother-in-law was a long haul trucker for many, many years. He was one of the good ones. One of the rare ones in terms of um, gender equality was always his, his idea, but with women, do not be afraid to say no. Do not be afraid to put up your boundaries. Somebody acts inappropriate, you back off. I wouldn't recommend giving them a left hook because that invites more violence. But 
remember that you're allowed to say no. Their opinion of you doesn't matter. They are not Martian detectives. They don't know you. So, you know, there's the old saying, keep the eyes on the prize. The example I give is if you watch a prima ballerina on stage and she's doing those wild pirouettes and you think, oh my God, why isn't she falling down dizzy? Mm -hmm. She always picks a spot on the wall and holds it until her neck's going to break. And then she whips around and grabs it again. That's what you do. You hold your vision. You realize others' opinions of you do not count. Others' opinions of women are what they've been taught and what they need for their own comfort. It doesn't mean you have to follow it. My family doesn't accept the idea that I am a world-famous psychic medium. My brother won't even mention it. He tells people I'm a motivational speaker. Well, I still love him, and he's entitled to that thought, but I read a 1,000 people a year. I'm in books, radio, television. I am not the fake he thinks I am. I've been doing this for 20 years. You can't fake for two decades. But if I had allowed his version of me to inform who I knew I was, I would not have the wonderful life I have now. Your life is your choice. Your decisions are for you. No is a fabulous idea. Thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish and walk away and do what you need to do and keep your eye on what you want. You have a right to want and to have a dream. Isn't that the truth? Yep. But it's amazing how many of us don't think so. No. You know, I, I spent a good portion of my life believing the opinions of others of what they thought of me was real. Like, uh, since I was a child, I was always told, you know, that you're, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're good for nothing, you're this and that and that. And it stays with you forever. And it took me a long time to chisel away at all the, the, mm-hmm. the lies that, that were fed into me and to relearn yes. who I really was. And today, there's no way that any, like, like you say, if any, like the p- other people's opinions of me, it, it doesn't matter. You can say what you want. You can think what you want. It does not enter into my aura because I know who I am. I know my worth. I know how awesome that, that I am. And I'm not afraid to say it. And it's not an egotistical thing. It's just that I've learned exactly who Kathy is. And I, I know what I put out there. And I'm proud of that. And whether other people like it or not, it, it, it affects me nothing. It, it doesn't affect me at all. At exactly all. right. The, the key to everything, I think, is living the examined life. Well, what does that mean? That means whatever happens to you, you look at it, you say, what's the lesson? Personally, I then turn around and say, now, how can I teach with it? And I go on. The mm-hmm. example I use is um, I call myself a three-time cancer dancer. Um, I did not fight cancer because what you fight fights back. And I am not a survivor because I do a lot more than hang on by teeth and toenails. I am a cancer dancer. It means I avoided getting my toes stepped on, found out how graceful I could be under pressure and got off the dance floor in one piece. Now, from the time I was an early bloomer and all of my adult life, I had a Dolly Parton figure. I am not lying. You put a brunette wig on her and that was me. When I got my third bout, of cancer in 2004. And it was the second primary. It took the danger clock back to zero. The doctor said, well, three strikes are out. We're taking the rack. We're taking the ovaries. And you're going from this Dolly Parton figure to this fat fire plug with permanent side effects forever. Mm-hmm. Nothing you can do without it. Suck it up. And I had just gotten married a year and a half before. Now, the first 24 hours, yeah, I went home and I cried, of course, because who was I going to be? Sure. But the next day I knew I had to come up with three reasons to be okay with it. That's part of the examined life. 
So I said to myself, okay, number one, you don't have them, you can't get cancer there. Number two, the top half is not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every woman listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Three, implants. Cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. That was in 2004. My husband's reaction. He said, am I going to miss them? Oh yeah, they were gorgeous, but I married you, not them. We're coming up on 20 years together and 19 years married in October. And I found out who I was when I wasn't just the girl that everybody stared at the rack. Mm -hmm. I found out I was funny. I was smart. I was charismatic. I could motivate and inspire people. So the universe basically said, look, you're, you know, the headlights, they always seem to cause a problem for you. So we're going to remove them because you got a lot more work to do down there. Mm-hmm. So I never regret what happens. I never feel, oh, poor me. I am completely different from the person I was with them, but mm-hmm. it's still me, just a different version, a different twist of the kaleidoscope. Have you always been a glass half full person? Hell no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in my 20s and 30s, oh, honey, oh, honey, um, <laughs> I learned <laughs> I learned all of this at a great place called the Option Institute in uh, Western Massachusetts. They teach stimulus belief response. What does that mean? All right, let's use the example. It's raining. Raining is a neutral. You got a guy at the Jersey Shore with his kids for a week and me working in my office and farmers who have had a two-month drought here in Skilharic Camp. The guy at the shore thinks this is terrible. His belief is it's terrible. So his response is to bitch and moan. The farmers are dancing out in the field. They think it's great because it'll save their crops. Me, I'm in the office. I look outside. It's raining. I go back to work. For me, it's a neutral. So how we have a belief about something changes our lives. So you always ask yourself three questions. What are my X about? X being whatever the emotion is, happy, sad, afraid. Why am I X about that? And the magic question nobody asks. What do I think would happen if I stopped being X about that? We never ask ourselves, what would happen if I stopped being unhappy in this situation? What would happen if I stopped being afraid? Mm -hmm. And we see what the possibilities are. I learned this in my mid-30s and really made it rock and roll in my 40s and 50s. If you can learn it today, the world opens for you. I kind of, it reminds me of, uh, of, something that I do in some of the workshops that I give, uh, I call it flip the switch. Mm-hmm. And it really is just flipping your mindset, changing the perspective in how you approach something, changing your, your vocabulary, like you're saying, and instead of saying that I'm afraid of something, well, what if I wasn't afraid or what, what, how much more could I accomplish if I remove that one word fear out of, out of the equation. And by flipping that switch, by changing your, your whole approach to something, it, it actually modifies, um, I think down to the core, to a cellular level, who you are because it's empowering number one, and you don't get trapped in the illusion of negativity that's all around. And really it, it just, it um, raises the bar into who you are as a person by flipping that mm-hmm. switch, by changing your perspective. I know that if you teach uh, workshops like that, you've heard the old adage, fame equals false evidence appearing real. That's the Mary Kay version of it. <laughs> Um, I put another one on it. I have 
That's fear. Fame is full acceptance means everything. You want to be fearful or famous. Everyone yeah. will say famous. Mm-hmm. Fearfully famous. Oh, I got to write I that like down. That. That's I awesome. Like fearful or famous. That's right. Full acceptance means yeah. everything. Doesn't mean that you accept that you can't change it, but you accept that it's here. And then you say, now, where do I go with it? That's right. Because I know that sometimes holding on to things does a lot more damage than it is letting go. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I'm, aren't people sometimes even afraid to let go of that stuff, even though it's negative? It's, it's almost like it's been a part of them so long. Mm-hmm. Well, remember the old saying, better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And very much people live their story. If I'm not this, who will I be? You know, a lot of people that have done the cancer dance, that's the first thing that I identify with is I have had cancer. I dealt with I blah, blah, blah. It's a part of my story, but I don't talk about it unless it's needed to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'm a writer. I'm a happily married wife. I am a Maine Coon mom cat. Um, I have a career that I love and have been, you know, entrepreneur for 20 years. Those are all the, and I'm funny as hell, but those are the things <laughs> that are me. The cancer yeah. was a thing that happened, but it's not yeah. me. Like I, I often say, you know, cause I deal a lot with people that have been sexually abused and um, even with women with the domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say to them, you know, you may have not had the ability to stop what was done to you, but you have the power to choose how to overcome it and how to deal with it and how to approach it. You can either just dwell on it and feel that feed the negativity or you can um, feed the positivity side of it and just uh, rise from the ashes and deal with and and look at it from a different way. That is so important. I mean, do you remember the Wizard of Oz? And you couldn't get rid of the wicked witch until you threw water on her. (laughs) Right. Water is, thank you for sharing. Water is laughter at what they're trying to do. And it melts. And if you need an image for what happens if you turn your back on the negatives and the naysayers, there you are. You're melting your witch. Melting the witch. Hmm. I like that. I like that too. People love pictures. Yes, they do. And it, it actually helps. Because if you can visualize that sort of thing, you can visualize your success, too. And you can visualize yourself in a better place. You know, I, I was reading a part of your, your book there. And I'm really, I've, you mentioned something that I've never heard before. And I'd really like you to elaborate, elaborate on it for us, please. Sure. It is when you talk about stress being a complicated friend. I have never heard, and I read a lot of books and, you know, I listen to podcasts and all that, and I've never heard anybody relate stress in in the same sentence as a complicated friend. Can you explain that? Sure. Because it teaches you things. I mean, one of the things that I talk about stress as the shot across the bow. Well, What's that mean? That means when something happens that hits you so hard upside the head with a clue brick, you never forget it. But if you hadn't had that stress, you wouldn't have had it happen. With me, it was being so busy at uh, an event I was doing that instead of a normal meal, I shoved two very high sugar, high fat raspberry dream bars in my mouth. Now, these were baked by the bakery where I was and they're wonderful, but within 20 minutes, I was getting my heart hammering and feeling nauseated and I couldn't think 
Well, why? It's because I can't deal with that much sugar at once. Mm -hmm. So because I was stressed, I did a stupid. The stupid was a big stupid. And it reminded me, don't do this. You know, it's like the old, what happens when I do this? It hurts, don't do it. So that's an example of how stress as a shot across the bow is helpful. What about stress as mission creep? The example I use, a woman loves knitting. And so she knits to relax herself. And then um, she was uh, helping out a shelter and the, the friend said, could you make some baby things for the shelter to sew in a raffle? And she said, yes. And then the shelter said, could you make it in, in a few different colors? And she said, yes. And then the local non uh, you know, PBS station said, great, we would love for you to do this for us to help us out. And by the way, would you use this yarn and use this patterns because these are our underwriters. And she kept saying yes and yes and yes. Remember, she never knew how to say no mm-hmm. to the point where what used to be a pleasant easy diversion for her was now just something with deadlines and timetables and people calling her, isn't this done yet? And after she got everything done, she put the needles away for years because now knitting hurt emotionally. She held her breath. It was not restful. Mm -hmm. So that was an example to her of how when she kept saying yes, when she should have said no, it took something deeply treasured away from her and she never did it again. Those are examples of how stress can give us such clear and pointed lessons that we internalize them. But without that stress, we might never have given ourselves the chance to say no or to take care of ourselves on how we eat. Are people that in tune with themselves, though? It seems like people just kind of go through life and don't really think about it. They can be. People aren't. I mean, I'm very lucky. I used to. I mean, when I was in my 30s, I was an actress in New York. I was also working 60 hours a week for a law firm to bring the money in. And I was taking classes at the Actors Institute and I was auditioning, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, you thought as you could do that. Um, now, working from home, even though I work six days a week, I can breathe. I can be more conscious. But it's easy for me because I'm home. I don't have people banging at me all the time. So the book is written so people will learn there are options. You're allowed to say no. You're allowed to choose. You're allowed to be clear on what you want. Here are some things that you keep tripping up on that maybe you don't want to do. It's like perfection. Perfect. Mm, There's an old saying, perfect is the enemy of good, which is very true. When you learn to make perfection flexible, all of a sudden opportunities open up for you. You start breathing. You're not holding your breath, hoping you can get it right. So that's why self-help books are there. Those of us that have a few extra clue bricks to share, We'll hand them over to you. Use them if they're good for you. Dump them if they're not. That's the thing about this book. I have no ego around it. I wrote what's true for me and a lot of my clients. If you write, read it, and only find one chapter useful, I did my job. I'm cool with that. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back 
to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Do you think that men have maybe a different perspective and they're brought up differently, that they are allowed to say no, um, they're allowed to be more assertive? It's just kind of interesting that in the 21st sure. century, this stuff is still going on, you know? It is, it is still going on. Thank God for millennials and Gen Zs. They are making huge changes mm-hmm. in how they view themselves and how they view each other. And that's great. Um, yes, men were brought up, uh, especially, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s, with the idea of guys do this, girls do this. Men are assertive, women are aggressive. Men have mood changes, women are bitchy. <sighs> yes. Um, guys expect to have things done for them because women do it and women are expected to do for everybody else and give for everybody else and they get scraps. So for those of us that are saying no to the centuries long paradigm, it's a hard slog, but it's Mm. worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quite often when a woman stands up for herself, she's considered a bitch. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Do you remember what bitch stands for though? What does it stand for? Babe in total control of herself. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Take it down with it. I love that. <laughs> Use that one. <laughs> That's great. So when someone calls you that, you're like, thank you. God, you noticed. Oh, you like, know. <laughs> yes, that's right. And you do it if, if you can in that progressive FM radio voice. Thank you. So, you know, it's just... <laughs> Guy, when somebody tries to insult you and you turn it around on them and you know fighting doesn't necessarily work there's a wonderful no. saying that i have uh in a little frame in in my bedroom there is nothing so strong as gentleness and nothing so gentle as real strength real strength mm. is not afraid of itself it stands its ground think about on the old cartoons when the big guy would just put his arm out and the little pipsqueak would be pushing against the hand and windmilling his arms and legs and did nothing. That's an example. The big guy didn't have to flatten him into a pancake. He just held out his hand and said, no. Now, can women do that all the time? No, sometimes people need a Klubrick upside the head. But the more often you can remember that there is nothing so gentle as real strength. You will be able to stand your ground without fear and knowing who you are. That's awesome. So you think it's kind of uh, more of the mind over matter, really. It's uh, exercising a lot of diplomacy and taking the upper hand that way. I I think that that could be very compelling. Yes, but don't think of diplomacy as it means you always have to compromise. Diplomacy just means you're not necessarily using the Theodore Roosevelt idea of speak softly and carry a big stick. Sometimes you can't negotiate. You can't compromise. You, you have to stand your ground. And in fact, there's actually a chapter. I think it's, it's the last chapter, When to Stand Your Ground. And it's important that you understand standing your ground is when you don't say yes to something that doesn't work for you. You just don't. Um, what does that mean? That means that you, you don't, for instance, I'm going to use something that may be terribly fraught, but it's what we're all up against right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some people approve the vaccine and got it. Some are anti-vaxxers. 
whichever side you're on, I'm actually not addressing right now. I will say that because of my immune system, I got the vaccine and I'm very careful and I wear a mask. So if I decide that I'm not going to your open house because you don't believe in vaccines and nobody there will be masked, it doesn't mean I'm a bad neighbor. It means I'm standing my ground. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean when you're standing your ground, you have to push it on somebody else. That's vital. But you are permitted to say, these are my boundaries and I will not cross them. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing how many people are out there. They get really mad if somebody doesn't agree with them and they want to push that. And it's so wrong. You know? I, I think part of it is because we haven't learned critical thinking anymore. School has been dumbed down because um, people in power, whether they're politicians or corporations or whatever, they want us to be what I call sheeple. Mm-hmm. We sheeple. hear what, right. We hear what we're told. We do not question. We just ride the wave. And so someone who says, but that doesn't make sense to me, they're overridden. Well, don't worry about it. We understand it. We know what we're doing. They're not willing to address it and answer the questions. Mm-hmm. And people who are asked questions in critical thinking are thought to be elitists, intellectuals, the libs. They're, you know, they're used to be um, back in the 50s and 60s. They were Democrats and they were Republicans. Mm-hmm. And they had different ideas about how to do things. But they would go to lunch with each other. They sure. would know how to compromise and work things out. Today, if a Republican is seen talking to a Democrat, they're ostracized. Mm-hmm. If a Democrat is seen talking to a Republican, their ideals are questioned. Where are we going to go with that? So yeah, polarization doesn't work. And Mm-mm-mm. it's never worked in any human society when you think about it. And you got to work together. So I know. Yeah. But, you know, the old saying, those who do not recognize history are doomed to repeat it. Well, we're not looking very at true. history. That's very true. So how does a woman... And a man, for that matter. I'm sure we're going to have some men that are interested. How do they clean out their life closet, really become who they are, get to their potential, and learn to stand their ground? They realize they're not going to do it all at once. I tell people that there is a three-legged stool of clarity. And if you get that straight, you're probably going to have a better chance at making your life exactly what you want. And the three-legged stool means getting clear on your purpose, why are you here, getting clear in your relationships, and getting clear with spirit. And, you know, I don't care if you're Christian, Buddhist, Jewish, pagan, Muslim, or believe in Ralph the Wonder Dog, I really don't. But my (laughs) thought is, as long as you know there's something up there that loves you, wants the best for you, and is willing to work with you, you're probably going to do fine. So you get those three legs solid, then you can recreate your life, clean out your life closet, and make it what you want. And the stool won't wobble and have you fall on your butt. I like that. I bet you've got a lot of people who really don't know what their purpose is. Mm-mm. And, you know, one of the things, if you come to me as, as a psychic meeting, is it, what is my soul plan? What is my purpose? I'm going to look at you and say, wrong, <clears throat> wrong answer. Because, look, I haven't lived your life, dealt with your crises. Um, your purpose you need to create your sentence of passion. Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail. When you go skidding into heaven on ball tires and fumes in the tank and God hands you a beer and says, so you get to say, I did this. Isn't it cool? Now, my sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. 
When I can take somebody from point A to point B when they thought they couldn't make it, whack them on their shoulder, say, here are your wings. You don't need a flight plane. Get, I'm living my bliss. But I've done it as an actress, an author, an inspirational speaker, a graphic novel writer, an executive recruiter, video producer, a psychic. It ain't the job. So yes, there is a very in-depth consultation you can do with me, but you don't need to do that. Six things to start with. What has your life been about? Have you always had a roller coaster relationship with money? How do you feel about prosperity? If you're always the one who stands up for the underdog, how does justice look to you? Things like that. Where does your happiness live? Remember I've said words are my drug of choice. My happiness lives in writing and speaking and getting ideas across to people. Where do I find comfort? Making my husband's breakfast, writing, doing for others where I can share what brings me joy. What crises changed my life? I've been through three bouts of breast cancer, two divorces, and the death of all three of my parents, two bios and a stepmother I adore. How do I learn or work best? Um, I'm one of those that needs to see it done. You know, you either see it done, hear it done, or you do it yourself. I'm a see it done person. And what do I want to be remembered for? For me, it's giving people ideas they've never considered before and getting them to laugh while I tell them. You look at all of that, that is exactly how I live my life now. It's what my career is. And like I keep telling you, I'm not special. You can do this. You can answer those six questions and you will have so much more of an idea of where your passion lies. And then that's when you can clean out your life closet to make room for your passion in your life. I wished I'd talked to you when I was 20. <laughs> oh, I wish I talked to this me when I was 22, honey. So yeah, I get it. Oh, God. What wonderful insight. I, I learned it the hard way. And if I can help people not have to learn it the hard way, I've done the job. And you're going to get people thinking. Because I think that that's, uh, people stop thinking. They're, they're used to their gadgets. It's like, Alexa, how do I feel? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, one of the things I discovered in writing this book is we have a, what's the word I'm looking for? We have a, an attention span that is um, eight seconds mm -hmm. and goldfish have 12 so we have a smaller attention span than goldfish, <laughs> um, which is why we don't take the time to think about something or chew on it is what I say. It's one of the reasons that when I did this book, yes, it's on Kindle and yes, it's a paperback, but I chose to make it an audio book. And I did the, the narration because, yeah, if you've got um, a fiction book, Discovery of Witches or Outlander, you can have great narrators who can do different voices. But when it's a nonfiction book, if the writer of the book has a voice suitable for narration, let them put the passion behind the words because they know why they wrote it. Absolutely. And so, you know, especially if you've got a lot of, of women truckers listening, no, you don't have to buy the book. It's an audio book. You can listen to it while you drive. Absolutely. Take it in little bites. So you have clients all over the world and I'm mm. really curious because I, I like to not, like analyze different viewpoints from different cultures and stuff. Mm -hmm. What would you say would be the, the common denominator in all your clients worldwide? Is there like uh, a certain thing that 
doesn't matter what culture you come from, what background, what ethnicity, what the way you're up, uh, up, up brought up. Is there a common mm -hmm. thing that's uh, a common factor, I guess you could say, that people go through? People can't deal with relationships. Oy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, in, in one of my other books, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, I talk about how there are some people who they, they contact the psychic and they just want the answers they want. And the example that I use um, is what we call, does Bruce love me? And it's, does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Well, is he going to call soon? No, he's not. Well, if he's not going to call soon, is he going to call later? And they beat on the psychic, boom, 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 until we just get exhausted and say, yes, mm. yes, he loves you and wants seven babies with you, but he doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. Come on, guys, don't do that. <laughs> um, so it's relationships. It's feelings of abandonment. It is not knowing who they are or what they want because while cultures are different, this world is for the most part patriarchal and women's rights, women's abilities, women's responsibilities and expectations have all been kind of tamped down just with different flavors. So yes, I would say a good 90% of my clients are women mm -hmm. and they come to me about relationships abandonment, not understanding who they are, fear about the future. And I don't make them blurpy purple promises. I help them say, here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through or around it. Here's your toolbox, go rock and roll. I mm -hmm. hand them a toolbox, but I remind them, I'm not the repairman. I'm not a Swami Swalanda or a Madam Ruha. I'm a consultant and a minister. And so I can give you these tools, but it's up to you to make your life different. Excellent. Isn't that the truth? Corbin. I know I often, oh, sorry. I often say that, uh, like I speak to youth in schools and uh, <clears throat> often, and what I tell these, these young girls is that, you know, you can't be afraid to grow to end bad habits. Like, you know, something's not working for you. Change it, fix it. If, if once you start working, like if you're not happy, leave the dead end job, cut off unhealthy relationships like these boys that are telling you to do things that you're not good enough and remove the toxic people that are in your life. But even though I'm standing here telling you this, you have to take the initiative. You have to make those steps in order to change. And I tell my mm -hmm. own daughter that too, because she struggles. Well, mom, how do I do this? I said, listen, I can only give you the tools. You are the one that has to, you know, put the tool into use to, 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 to make it work for you because what works for me isn't going to work for my daughter because we're two completely separate people. That's so, right. That's yeah. right. Look at the okay boomer thing. I'm a boomer. I'm 66, but I have changed. I'm, I am um, demographically a boomer, but I call myself an elder. An elder offers the information, mm -hmm. but understands that their time is passing off the stage and they support the younger ones. So there are a lot of boomers who are so intent, or we were told never trust anyone over 30, that we don't want to even think of ourselves as over 30. We keep trying to hold on to who we were. No, it's time to pass the baton gracefully, honestly, and with love. Corby, we have just about a minute left here. How do people reach you? Um, you are just super dynamic. Thank you. Well, they can't avoid me. Um, first, you can go to my website, <laughs> CorbyMitlide.com. 
You can find me on Facebook at Fire Through Spirit. You can find me uh, under Corby Midlight on YouTube, on Pinterest, and on Instagram. Excellent. Thank you so much, Corby, for being with us. This has been an absolute joy, and you're such an inspiration. Thank you. I had a blast. Thanks for asking. Oh, you're wonderful. You made my day. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Thank you for listening to another great interview on TNC Radio.live and the Truckers Network Radio Show. All of the material you hear on tncradio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of tncradio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at tncradio.live.